Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. We've been studying this year an amazing covenant. We've studied in detail Exodus chapter 20, those verses that give us the basis of the Mosaic Law, the Ten Commandments. We have explored each one of them and their ramifications for us as New Testament Christians. And we understand that that law was the greatest thing that had legislatively occurred in the history of our world up until the time of Jesus Christ. I can't even scratch the surface of the passages in the Old Testament that herald that law as being magnificent, merciful, wonderful, amazing. If you just take a cursory look at Psalm 119, you see that that law was infinitely deep. It was the answer to all of the ills of mankind at that time, in the Old Testament time, it was the only answer that they had for their sins. In Psalm chapter 40, we're reading the benefits of confidence in God, the sense of David understanding that without him he is nothing. And he says this, Many, verse 5, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts which are to usward. That is, his mind having been revealed to the Jews. They cannot be reckoned up in order to thee. If I would declare and speak of them, They are more than can be numbered. That's what I was just now trying to say, is that this law that we've been studying was so wonderful that man cannot even fathom the depths of its greatness toward mankind during that mosaic time. And then he said this, though, in verse 6, Sacrifice and offering you had no delight in. Mine ears you have opened, burnt offering and sin offering have you not required. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me, and here we are prophesying of Jesus and of him saying that the Old Testament sacrifices were not adequate. God did not fully delight in them. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. Without a doubt, we do have a prophecy here of Jesus Christ because we find it quoted again. Psalm 40, verse 6, is quoted in Hebrews 10. And that's where I'd like for us to look just for a minute today. I'd like for us to just take a minute to realize that although the law that we have been studying is the basis of Roman law, it is uh, very much entrenched in our American law today. It was just so 
wise in all of its precepts, but it was not enough. It was not adequate to get us to heaven. And although it would have been, you know, I think about Moses and what a great man he was, what a great leader he was, what a great friendship that he had with God, what a meek and submissive man he was, and how great it must have been to have had the mind of Moses. And yet we have the mind of Christ in the revelation of the New Testament. And we live in an era when we can have full restoration to our God. We can have the benefit of full fellowship and the permanent erasure of sins, which they could never have the forgiveness of of sins. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, and this will be our dig a bit for today. For the law, that's the law of Moses, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of those things, can never, with those sacrifices that they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Those people who brought those animal sacrifices and gave the blood of those animals could not have a continual cleansing as we do. 1 John 1, 7 tells us there that the blood of Jesus Christ continually cleanses us. It is a continual action that they never had. In fact, on the Day of Atonement every year, they were just stabbed with the reality as they stabbed those animals of their unforgiven sins and of the continual need to offer those sacrifices over and over. For then, verse 2, would they not have ceased to be offered? If those sacrifices could remit their sins, could forgive their sins permanently, they wouldn't have to have been offered over and over because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, verse 3, there was a remembrance again made of sins every year. It was like they had to relive that guilt every year as those animals were slain on the Day of Atonement. For it is not possible, verse 4, that the blood of bulls and of goats should ever take away sins. And here's the quotation from Psalm 40. Wherefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you would not, but a body you have prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins, you had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said sacrifice and offering, and burnt offerings and offering for sin, you would not, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Again, a reference to Psalm chapter 40. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By means of the second, then, first part of verse 10, sanctification can be ours as a result of the offering of the body of Jesus, by the which will we are sanctified. 
through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I think it's pretty interesting down in verse 5 of Hebrews 10. A body hast thou prepared for me. You know, God prepares all of our bodies. He forms us in the womb. But the very fact that he looked upon his eternal son, the eternal Christ, and made him a body, just like he makes our bodies. How um, humbling, how I don't even have the word to describe how, I don't know, self-deprecating that would be for the almighty God to prepare a body for his eternal son, the perfect one, and put it in a womb for us. And when that body then was given, the offering of the body is in verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of that body of Jesus Christ once for all. He was preparing a body to slay a body. He was putting blood in the veins of a body to, in order that it could be shed for you and for me, not that we could have to come back to the Day of Atonement once a year, but we had a permanent, forever Day of Atonement at Calvary. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering and offering oftentimes the same old sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, he, Jesus Christ, after he had offered that one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And what's he doing there? He's taking our pleas before the throne. He was eternal in heaven. And then God made him inhabit God prepared a body for him to inhabit an imperfect body that was volatile and subject to the nails that the people he created were going to put through it. It's just amazing to me. So he offered that body, and then he raised that body from the dead, appearing to over 500 people at once after the body was raised. And then he ascended in that body. And so there is some sense in which that body is at the throne of God for little, vulnerable, sinful, volatile, but submissive me. I just think that Hebrews 10, the whole book of Hebrews, of course, and the whole book of Galatians are just full of the hammered down truth that we have a better covenant. Why would anybody look back to the old law? Why would anybody be satisfied with a law that could not take away sins? We have a better covenant. But Hebrews chapter 10 just zeroes in on it. It takes all the information in the rest of the book and puts it in a few words for us that the weakness of the old law is that there was no perfect blood. It is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sins. Chapter 9, verse 13. If the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the the purifying of the flesh, well, purified the clean those priests so that they could go in there, how much more 
shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself, that body, without spot to God, how much more can it purge your consciences from dead works to serve the living God? Bottom line, let's just serve him. Let's serve him and rejoice in that we are in a better place than even Moses. We are in the very apex of God's grace and mercy as we live today. Praise him for that every day and work to live to serve the living God. For this cause, he is the mediator of the new covenant that by means of that death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, those who were called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Can I help you find your calling today if you're listening and you realize that you have not taken advantage of the cleansing that is in the blood of Jesus Christ at baptism for the remission of sins? It's important what it's for. It's important that we recognize that we are submitting to an ordinance of Jesus Christ in which we can find remission of our sins in the better covenant. If you haven't been baptized for the remission of your sins, you don't have the blood. You don't have the perfect blood because Romans 6, 3, and 4 says that when we are buried with him in baptism, that's where we come in contact with his death. And of course, 1 Peter three twenty one says baptism is what also now saves us. Well, I hope that this is, is as powerful, and I'm sure that I didn't even put it into words, the potency that it's having in my mind today. I hope that it's powerful for you, and I hope you'll get on your knees today and thank the Lord that we are living in a better time than even Moses and the priests of the Old Testament. Have a great day.